Hi folks, I'm Bob Main. Welcome to another episode of today's survival show. Helping you do what you can with what you have wherever you are. This is episode number 266. This is a practical show. I don't go tin foil hat on you. Well, I have a plan to put out several episodes here in the next month and a half to two months. What I've decided to do is to go ahead and release all of my Survival Champions Club podcasts to the public. These are podcasts that some people uh, paid a premium for. Uh, They have had a chance now for over a few years to listen to these podcasts and enjoy them and get the information. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to go ahead and release them out to you, the public, and for all the people who like to support my show through the Survival Champions Club, they will be getting some new podcasts coming up in the next three or four months. So as most of you know, I don't have sponsors on this show and I do that on purpose. So if you don't mind, uh, support me by making your Amazon purchases through my Amazon store. I've changed things up a little bit. I don't have the everyday carry links or anything like that on there, my everyday use links. Basically, all I have is my Amazon store and a few other things that are on my website at todayssurvival.com. So you'll notice a few minor changes in today's survival show website. But once again, go to todayssurvival.com. There's two S's in that, todayssurvival.com, and click the Amazon store. Use that link whenever you make an Amazon purchase. If you have an Amazon Prime account, you can log into your Amazon Prime account right after that. No big deal. But anyway, so here, here's the first episode. Uh, I interviewed Glenn Tate last year on building a prepper team. And we did record a part two on how you can build a team to kind of the same way that he's got it set up. And if you've read the book series, 299 days, which by the way, if you need to buy some of those books, either ebook or paperback, you can buy them through my Amazon store. If you want to set up a team of people, I know that uh, Joe and Dave here in Northeast Texas do it and many others. I think you'll get a lot out of this. So You'll hear a little bit of a music intro, and here comes uh, Glenn Tate, Prepper Team, part number two. And I'm going to have one, two, three, four, probably about five more interviews coming up that were all met parts, um, uh, that were all basically the Survival Champions Club that I feel now is a good time to go ahead and let those out to the public. So here you go. Enjoy. I'm Bob Main, and you're listening to episode number four of the Survival Champions Club podcast. It's my goal to help you do what you can with what you have wherever you are. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you very much. It's been a while since I put out a new show on the Survival Champions Club podcast. Thank you very much for your generous support. As I've mentioned, I do not have paid sponsors. Uh, I don't run a bunch of commercial commercials in my show. This is the way I get support from you, financial support. There are costs and time and effort and everything in putting together this show. So thank you very much. Well, Glenn agreed to come back and talk some more about how to actually find people to 
build that prepper team with. That's the team that we talked about back in episode 194. So if you have not listened to episode 194, uh, you probably did, but if you haven't, go back and listen to that because we talked about the importance of setting up a survival prepper team and how to set it up and what to do and things like that. Now we talk about how to find people, how to define people, and how to organize them. And I think that's pretty powerful stuff, and I think it's going to help you out. So here we go. My uh, interview expanding on the topic of prepper teams with Glenn Tate, the author of the book, 299 Days. Stay tuned. All right, Glenn Tate's back with me. Uh, If you remember, he was on the regularly scheduled weekly podcast not too long ago, and we were talking about how to form a prepper team. So how's it going, Glenn? Oh, it's going great. Thank you for having me. Good. Your book, man, I'll tell you what, that thing is, that thing is great. It's successful. Uh, I, I, the, the thing that I'm finding intriguing about your book is that it's, it's, it's so practical. And it's, you, you know, you live a life like the everyday guy lives, and that seems to be a message that's playing well. Yeah, and that's why I think it's succeeding. By the way, it's exceeded my wildest expectations. I never thought this would happen. But um, I'm a regular guy. In fact, um, on my kit, I have a little a patch. It's like a ranger tab, and it says regular guy, right? That's, that's how I view myself. I'm just a normal white-collar guy, and um, I've put together or been part of this, this amazing team, and we've done amazing things. Everything in the book that I describe about the preparations and the team and the cabin and all these things, all of it's real. And so people say, my goodness, this is so realistic. And they think I've got some great imagination. Well, I don't. Um, I'm just describing, you know, what, what's happened to me and, and how it happened. And, um, and it's really resonating with people. And I just, I think it's fantastic. (laughs) One of my old teachers said, the best imagination can be somebody else's experience. (laughs) I'm going to steal that if you don't mind. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're more than welcome to steal that if you want. Well, thanks for contributing to the members who have signed up and and paid some good hard-earned money to support my cause here. Uh, During the weekly podcast, we, we recently talked about the kinds of people that you can find to be part of your prepper team, and you talked about the fact that you don't need ex-seals, and uh, that you can look to find people like firefighters and uh, nurses and law enforcement officers and vets and things like that. So now I'm going to ask you to talk a little bit about about how to find people or where to find them. Yeah, you bet. And um, uh, one of the things I, I wanted to, to mention, and we'll talk about a, a full team, and, and these are people that are... Uh, usually regular guys who, who have some skills and work together and bond together, and it takes a long time. Um, my team, we've been together three years, and um, we've, we, we, get, we know each other pretty well now, but um, it was a slow process. So there's your, and we'll talk about that, I guess, a little more, but that's your sort of full team. But here's another thing to consider, and that is associate memberships, right? It sounds like a trade association or something like that, but not everybody needs to be a full team member um and by that i mean people who are kind of part of the crew but they're not all the way part of the crew and it's not like a click thing it's more of a thing where maybe somebody um who's an associate member doesn't have the time maybe they don't have the money um and and maybe they can't um devote all the time that it takes but they can still you know be uh 
be added on to the thing. And, and th- this would be, you know, a pilot, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody who doesn't have all weekend to go shooting, but um, is trusted. You get to know him or her. And um, and in, a, in an emergency situation, they're, they're your pilot. And that could be, that could be pretty good. Um, I'm constantly looking for people for both full membership on the team, which I don't know that there will ever be new members um, because we're so tight and there are five of us and, and we've, we've got it down. And, and anytime you introduce somebody new, you know, there's always a possibility of messing up something good. But I'm always looking for associate members out there. So they're full members and associate members. There's a third category, I think, and that's what I call a pickup team. That's sort of like basketball, where you know you're standing around and there's five people and they're all strangers and 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 you're going to play some ball, you know, at the park or something like that. And it's informal pickup team, um, and these are not team guys and they're not associate members, but they can help. Um, great example would be neighborhood guards. Um, these are people maybe in your neighborhood you you barely know. Um, in the book, I talk about something that was true too which is that i don't know any of my neighbors which is my fault by the way i need to do a better job of that but me too every halloween uh, when my kids were little and i went out trick-or-treating with them i'd go to all these houses and i'd say hi to them and i'd see them every year and then i wouldn't see them or talk to them for another year until the next halloween (laughs) (laughs) over again so um but people in your neighborhood who can um you know guard entrances and things like that um, would be a good pickup team, folks. Um, you can just kind of grab them when stuff happens. Um, another example of pickup team people is um, there's a, a couple teenage boys, um, I think 17 and 19, uh, who are sons of a family friend of mine. And uh, I've taken them out shooting. Um, you know, when you're you're 17 and 19 and you've played a lot of video games but you've never shot a gun and somebody says, Here's an AK-74. Knock yourself out. Um, you know, it's it's a pretty good afternoon. So, I'm always looking for younger guys who maybe don't have tons and tons of skills, but I think they're mature enough, and I'm kind of giving them a little taste and seeing how they react. I mean, if they if they act unsafely or something with with a weapon, then they're forever not going to be considered. So, um, you know, think about pickup team things. It doesn't all have to be five guys who would die for each other. There, there, there are variations and levels of that. And you can go down to a pretty casual thing because all those casual folks on a pickup team or associate membership can still end up helping out everybody and adding a lot to the, to the effort. So, you know, don't exclude. It's not just five guys and nobody else. Well, that, that's a good point. Now, let me ask you to back up for a minute. What's an example of an associate member? Yeah, um, I'll uh, I'll describe uh, the the main associate member that I have in mind, and I need to change some things around because um, I need to protect his anonymity. Um, he's he's a guy I've known for probably ten years in a business relationship. Um, he he and I have the same worldview, which is political, basically same political views. Um, and uh, he's a gun guy, um, has quite a few guns. Uh, I've been at the range two, three times, and he's been there, and, and we've shot. And he has, you know, ARs and Glocks and stuff. I mean, he's not, you know, he's not a skeet shooter, right? I mean, he's mm-hmm. got he's got the, the stuff that, that uh, we shoot. Um, he's a pilot. <laughs> and, um, and I've introduced him to some of the guys. He's hung out with some of the guys. But, you know, for five, ten minutes at the range a couple times. Every, everybody on my team thinks he's a cool guy. But since he's he's a business associate of mine, um, if I let him know what I'm fully up to, 
uh, with prepping, and for some reason I was mistaken and I shouldn't have trusted him. If he goes and tells all of our mutual business friends that I'm some crazy prepper, then I'm in a lot of trouble. So that's what the distance has been so far. Um, So he would be an example of an associate member. He's not on the team, but at the snap of a finger, he's probably pre-qualified and would fit in very nicely, not necessarily in a full capacity, but he could help us out and we could help him out too. I see. All right. Well, very good. So now... That, that answers that question. So now we come to the main part of why I wanted to bring you back on here on the Premium Podcasts, and that is uh, how to find people to become part of your team. Boy, that's a $64,000 question, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> start with, with my example, and I don't think this is going to be terribly helpful for many people, but I'll just start with how this came with me. Um, as described in the book... Boy, there's a constant theme, but as described in the book, I started hanging out at a gun store that had a lot of cool guys in it, and um, uh, the guys from the gun store um, uh, became the team, and there were some people that they knew who didn't hang out at the gun store who ended up becoming part of the team, so that's that's where I found my guys. Um, you, can, you can go to gun stores and hang out. First of all, you need to find a gun store that's cool enough to let people hang out. That It's a place you want to hang out at, right? Right. Um, it's not everywhere, so that would work. But I think the 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 main place people probably find team members is probably their work, and that can be tricky. Um, it depends on what kind of work setting you have, what kind of people you work with. Um, it may be just fine, but then again, it may be a really terrible idea to start talking about things that scare people, like a collapse of the United States. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, that might not be a, a real good uh, water cooler conversation. <laughs> I think the more white collar you are, the the less of a good idea it is to talk about this at work, and maybe the more <laughs> you are, maybe the more freedom you have, and, the, and you're going to hang out with people who you know, are maybe in the trades or firefighters, they have a brother who's a firefighter or something, so... Um, that might be a consideration for work. Um, hunting and fishing buddies, um, I think, would be a great natural start. Um, they've they've got a similar interest. They're mm-hmm. they're, they're outdoor guys. Um, they're you know interested in that. But there's there's something I call the Cabela's dream that I think is a bad idea. And this comes up in the book um, in one of the books. It's not out yet. Um, probably book uh, eight or so. Uh, won't be out for six months. But no offense to Cabela's. I love Cabela's. I, I shop there a lot, and, and Cabela's is for people in other parts of the country. is a lot like uh, Bass Pro Shop. It's kind of a outdoor superstore kind of thing. The Cabela's right. dream is is guys who think that they can walk into a store like Cabela's and spend a bunch of money and be instant outdoorsmen um, if they buy the right gear and they spend tons and tons of money wave of a wand, all of a sudden they're bear hunting in Alaska. Well, no, they're not bear hunting in Alaska unless they're actually going on a plane or a boat and going up to Alaska and bear hunting. And so the hunting and fishing buddies are good, but if if guys out there think that they can get through a collapse and all the nastiness that comes with it um, by hunting you know, once a year or going fishing, that's that's not enough. Now, hunting and fishing are great things, and they're, they're fabulous, great work places to find team members but um as long as you're not relying on the the cabela's dream that you're totally squared away because you have hunting and fishing gear you know that's the caveat to the hunting and fishing buddies um 
IDPA or the shooting range, what a fantastic place to find. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. It might even be the best of all of them. Um, um, obviously, and by the way, I say IDPA, you know, any shooting competition um, I would would be in there. I guess IDPA is just sort of the, the one I'm the most familiar with. Um, you're around people who shoot. They shoot competitively. Um, that's probably your highest percentage group of people who would be uh, um, open to this kind of message. Plus, they're probably skilled. I mean, if you're shooting IDPA, you're in the upper whatever percentile of all shooters out there. I mean, those are people I'd want to have around me and, you know, you know, I'd rely on those on those folks. Um, so, and then, of course, just hanging out at the shooting range, um, that's good. I had a unique example um, talked about in the book because it's true. Um, we've got lucky and got a shoot at our local SWAT range. <laughs> oh, okay. And I get to do that. We had a, a range officer who um, knew us and was just a very good guy, and he watched us shoot, and he knew that we were very, very safe. So we got to start doing all the cool stuff and the steel targets and all the other stuff. And actually we were at that range more than the, uh, the, the local SWAT teams. Um, <laughs> we spent more time and money, um, on it than those guys did. No disrespect to them. I mean, they, they had other things they had to do. So, um, shooting range is a good place to find guys, by the way, a lot of this team stuff. And while I mentioned it's in, in the earlier part of the podcast, this is not a military thing. These are not people doing military things. They're, they, they might need to, and let's hope not, and everything. This is not a purely military thing. So when I talk about shooting, um, it's a very key component to this, but I don't want to limit it um, to that. Uh, gun stores, okay, that'd be a good place to find people, but already talked about that. Depending on your situation, a church might be a good place to find people to be on a team. Um, you need to be careful with that. Um, you know, you, you're going to know your own church um, better than anybody else. Remember, you might be scaring people, um, so take that accordingly. But churches are interesting in general because, um, and it's not a religious thing because I'm not going to talk about religion because I, I don't want to annoy people. But um, and I get annoyed when people talk about religion on a podcast too, right? So, right. Um, but churches are groups of people that have something in common they have a, a bond it's not as strong as this team bond they know each other they have kitchens um, they prepare food in mass um, I think churches um, after a collapse will be very interesting places because many of them will have their congregants you know supporting each other and helping each other and they might even start you know cooking and, and feeding people um, and everything there so churches might be a natural. Place. Odds are somebody in your church roughly shares your worldview. Well, um, sure. I got one of my team members from our church small Bible study group. Excellent. Yeah. Ex- yeah. So, so you're right. It works. Good. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, forums is that's hit or miss. Um, many forums probably have a regional aspect to them. You know, um, for me, it would be you know Washington State thread or something like that, and you can find people in your area. Um, boy, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it could be great or it, or it could be scary. Um, that would be something you're just going to have to use extra caution with. But if you want to find people who are preppers or gun people or something like that, um, uh, an internet forum um, and people in your location might be, a, might be a good thing. If you have a bug out location or someone on your team has a bug out location, the neighbors out at the bug out location could be 
great team members. Um, the neighbors around my cabin, the real live Colsons and Morels, as I describe in the book. Of course, mm-hmm. I changed their names, but um, sure. they're real people. Um, they are fantastic. Um, they are fully integrated with us. They are. I, I trust them inherently. Um, they're fabulous people, and so that could be a really good source of, of team members. Plus, they're already out where your bug out location is, so you've got that natural advantage. A final category of people uh, for a team mm-hmm. could be family. Um, that can be tricky. I mean, how many times have you know you gone to a Thanksgiving thing and your uncle's being a lunatic and there's <laughs> arguing and you know family reunions end in fist fights and all kinds of things. So. Um, obviously the listener will know his or her family better than anybody else, but that could be, that could be a good source of team members. But, um, I'm just not familiar with that because I didn't structure my team around, um, my family. Well, some of you might have family members, but, uh, chances are, uh, you probably won't because sometimes they're the ones that make fun of you. Yeah. Yeah. Or in my case, you know, I had to prep behind her back and stuff. That's now it's all now that I've written ten books. I kind of had to let her in on that, um, and she's been very gracious and very great about it. So I want to give her the credit she deserves. So there you go. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. Nothing speaks louder than success, though. I tell you that. Um, all right. Well, good. So those are some good ideas to find team members. You know, I think I was going to say and add to that. Anybody who's a member of any kind of a club. You know, any kind of a local club, you know, you're already there for something in common. And, you know, it's like anything else. Common People that have something in common are already together for one reason. You'd be surprised how many other things you have in common. Yeah, and I could see maybe a, a, a ham radio club. Um, um, and I could maybe see uh, volunteer firefighters, something like that. I know volunteer firefighting department's not a club, but it's kind of something that people are there for a common reason. Right. Yeah. Any reason, anything, you know, any kind of a club where you guys are there for a common reason, I think is uh, important. Well, the next thing you talk about is giving it time. You know, what do you mean by that? Well, it takes years and years to develop this kind of incredibly close bonding relationship. um, And there's no substitute for it. There is just no substitute for it. So it does it does take time and understand that it'll take time and don't be in a hurry and don't cut corners. Don't let somebody in the team because you're in a hurry and you're thinking to yourself, I don't know about this guy, but you know, we really need a, an EMT and, uh, and the guy gets involved with everybody and he causes discord and, and all that other stuff. So it, it takes time. But as with almost everything else, here's the caveat. Um, it does take time, but have, I think, um, a team, at least a pickup team or associate members kind of ready to go quickly for if there is a collapse. Um, so yes, it takes time to have this really tight group, but don't wait around for that. Um, be making backup plans and have, you know, people ready to go if you need to. Um, I always think about rock bands and, um, I think there's an analogy between a prepping team and a rock band as crazy as that sounds. Hmm. Um, Bands often form because they're people who are near each other or know each other. They go to school or whatever, and they hang out, and they just jam. They're interested in music, and they do this, their thing, and they just, they just do their music. And then maybe after a few years, they kind of fully form up into a band, and, and there's more structure, and they're very tight and very close. But it starts 
um, with hanging out and just doing what they like to do. And then over time, it turns into a more cohesive uh, relationship. Okay. Interesting. All right. So if you have to be patient, what you're saying. Exactly. You have to be patient. and But while you're being patient, you have to have backup plans and maybe go to plan B and grab some of those neighborhood guys who are not ideal, but doggone it, better than nothing. So let me ask you a question. The five members you have on your team, you know, you, you briefly talked about the five members in the, uh, in the weekly podcast. How long did it take you to put those together? We came together. Uh, we started shooting in 2009, so it's 2012. It's been three years. Um, okay, so it does take some time. Yeah, it was the spring of 2009 when we, uh, when we started getting together. Now, they had been together um, before I got involved. Um, I was, I was the, actually the last one, so I guess they'd been together about five years. Yeah, that's how, that's how long it can take. So it can take a while, but be patient because that's what prepping is all about. It's all about being patient. Exactly, and in the five years that, that, that this team's been together, well, let's say three years for me, We've done amazing things, and we've been ready for things, and we've improved our skills greatly. I mean, the before and after is just—I mean, it defies logic how amazing it is. So, in those in those years of being patient, it's not like we've been twiddling our thumbs. We've got a lot done. Yeah, yeah. Well, now the next point you make here on your outline, which we're talking about, is pretty interesting. It's it's demographics. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this are wondering, okay, you gave me some ideas of where to find people, but what are the demographics that, that, that you look for? Yeah, um, I think that a mixture of ages is a great idea, and that might be because I'm the old guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can relate to that. I, I usually am in, in the circles that I'm in. I'm usually the old guy as well. Yeah, I mean, when you're doing firearms training, not not everybody is uh, is your age or my age. Um, I think a little gray on the temples. Uh, I think there's a place for that um, on one of these teams, and that would be me. And uh, I have about 20 more years of life experience um, than these other guys, and it comes in handy in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways that aren't really predictable. Um, I see things. I see people's behavior. I see political or business situations and I know what's going on um, and and I can better you know deal with things because I have that life experience I don't get upset at things that maybe some younger guys get upset at I don't get as elated um, as some of the younger guys do but I don't get as as down as they do you know how it is I mean the life experience thing is a good thing but once again I keep doing this caveat and contrast thing uh, but while it's nice to have at least one old guy like me, um, having a lot of young bucks around um, is pretty important uh, for the physical uh, demands of this thing. I mentioned um, uh, in the uh, in the other one, you know, chopping wood for neighbors and doing that kind of stuff, fixing things, carrying things, um, all those kinds of things. And I think another thing that younger guys bring to the team is um, enthusiasm, energy. Not cockiness, because if somebody's cocky, they ought not to be um, on your team because they're just going to you know, get you in trouble and they're going to do crazy things and that, that no one should do. So I don't mean cockiness, but I mean that uh, you know, there's something about a guy in his mid-20s who's got you know, a little spring in his step that is, is a good thing um, for one of these things. Another thing, and I don't know if this is an issue for anybody, it turned out well for my team, um, is that we have – people of all races. Um, I don't know that you need to, I'm not going to tell people who to hang out with. Cause I just, you know, that's not my thing, but, yeah. uh, 
we have a we have a Korean guy and, and a half Mexican guy. And the reason I bring that up is um, that we can, I think, get in and out of some situations well by um, by having people who are roughly proportionate to everybody around us. Yeah, uh, I think, and I think that's a a good thing to do. And again, I don't think this is a big issue. I don't think anybody's sitting there saying. I need to put a team together and, you know, we need to get out quotas and do that kind of stuff because people will just kind of come together naturally. Um, they don't need people telling them to do that. If it makes sense for people to be together, they'll be together. But I just wanted to highlight the, the thought of maybe you're going to be going through areas that, you know, people living there don't look like you and maybe maybe things can go a little bit better. Um, and they're language things, by the way, too. I mean, if you can get people with all kinds of different languages – that's always helpful. So, you know, all things being equal, it might be a bit of a tiebreaker to get somebody involved who um, doesn't look exactly like you. Yeah, you know, you're right. You're exactly right about that. Uh, or somebody that has different life experiences than you because either they came from a different country or a different ethnic background and maybe they have a certain set of skills that you don't have. Exactly right. Exactly right. So that's that. Mm-hmm. I like your earlier point here where you said uh, some young people, uh, some of the young bucks have a place in your team because they're door kickers. I like that. <laughs> you know, they're, they're the ones when you when you need the door kicked in, they can do it. That's right. And when you need to talk your way out of uh, repairing the place, uh, that's where I come in. So. That's where you're, you're, you're the diplomat that's had a lot of life experience that knows how to negotiate, right? Exactly right. Exactly. Well, that's kind of where I put myself. You know, I've been negotiating for a living since I was 25 years old. I've been in sales and marketing and and some type of business negotiation for a long time. So to me, that comes second nature to me. Well, see, and what you do for a living, you're going to be able to assess in people what's motivating them, maybe what's um, hindering them. They, They maybe don't want to do something that you'd like them to do, and you're adept at figuring out what that might be and then saying, well, if this is what's holding you back, we could solve that problem this way, and would that maybe change things? So, I mean, that's I mean, that's a thing where life experience and some sales work um, can be a very valuable uh, prepping skill. Yeah, it's called people skills, and I've talked about that a lot on my show. I've talked about the necessity for people skills, uh, no matter what you're doing, whether you're prepping. Uh, or anything like that. Just in general life, it's important to have good people skills. A lot of people, you'd be amazed, I run into a lot of people that have terrible people skills, not just preppers, but just in everyday life. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, there are a lot of educated people out there, but boy, their people skills are horrible. Yep. And here's an example of people skills um, uh, and how they they affect prepping. I was shooting with a guy, um, and we were at, um, we were at a, at a gravel pit, and, um, uh, some some young guys came up on on some motorcycles, and this other guy's approach was to say, "Hey, you're trespassing." You know, he didn't point a gun at him or anything like that. It was nothing like that, but he was very gruff. And I immediately thought, and he's a younger guy. I immediately thought these kids are going to think that we're guarding something, that there's something really valuable in this you know gravel pit, and they're going to go look and see. I mean, they're going to be curious. And so I said, yeah, we're doing some shooting there, and there's going to be some maybe some stray rounds, so you don't want to be around it. I gave them a reasonable explanation for not being there as opposed to being, being a tough guy. That's an example um, of how I, I think I helped. Not that there, it was a situation. The kids weren't a threat by any means, but, I mean, that's a way of approaching it. Um, instead of being a younger, tougher guy, being an older 
kind of more devilish uh, <laughs> sly guy, maybe. That's well, good. more diplomatic is the way I'd put it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so you've also got another point here called uh, that basically says wives and girlfriends and kids are important. You betcha. Um, it's it's why we prep. Um, I know that that my wife and children will be expertly and and amazingly well taken care of, and that means absolutely everything to me. I mean, in a lot of ways, that's why I do this whole thing, and so you know that is a huge relief. Um, and similarly, all my other guys know that they're wives, in some cases girlfriends, in some cases kids, um, are going to be taken care of. And not just with, you know, the material stuff. Um, you know, we, you know, the, you know, one of the guys has, has a, a little son and, and, you know, he recognizes all of us, you know, and we're kind of like uncles to him and things like that. So it's very, very important. It's the whole package. Um, and so I think that it's important to involve the wives and girlfriends and kids uh, as much as possible in all of this stuff, uh, socially and everything else, because you create much, much stronger bonds. Because we're not just five guys; we're kind of like five families that are that are sort of integrated. So it's it's really really important. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more on that. Uh, what does this next subject here mean? A unique relationship. Yes, um, in the earlier part of the podcast, I talked about. A prepping team is a unique relationship. You need to forget preconceived notions about what a relationship is because this isn't golfing buddies. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I remember when you talked about that. Yeah. The second half of that, and um, I'm going to contradict myself a little bit, but it's necessary to make the point. I will start off by saying this. I hate the stereotype out there of preppers as being military wannabe guys because I'm not that way, and from what I can tell, Bob, you're not that way. No, I'm not that way either. (laughs) untrained civilian goofball ucg um and it's i make no pretense uh to the contrary (laughs) so you know and i'm not tending to be uh, a military guy um all the stuff by the way um gear and clothes and everything i have is designed to blend in um so not a military guy but i will say this I think special operation units that are very small and are very tight and spend a lot of t- time together and and they need to rely on each other, I think they're a very good model for the kind of culture you would want on a prepping team. And so while I'm not trying to be a SEAL because I'm not remotely physically or mentally or emotionally qualified to be a SEAL, <laughs> um, I think you can learn something from a unit like that. And here's what I mean by that. Um, and I... I, I read special operations books. I actually don't read books because I'm too busy. I listen to audiobooks, right, um, by SEALs and Special Forces guys. And and it's not to um, do anything other than to really learn how they interact with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think the way that um, they interact with each other um, can tell us a lot. There's a, a great podcast, I'm sure you won't mind me saying, called Soft Rep, S-O-F-R-E-P, um, which is – it's put on by a seal and it's designed for normal people it's not you know tough guy stuff it's like what you can learn from special operations folks and they have something called the team room which is just seals drinking beers and talking about what it's like to be a seal and they talk about things like um the team is above all else and they give a variety of examples of that and i think that's the kind of culture you want to foster in your own civilian um prepper team example i'm talking about um, is that uh, they obviously 
value the team above all else. And there was a, a guy who got married uh, without telling his SEAL team, and um, they uh, they bound him and uh, made him drink a bunch of booze, and you know basically you know wrote all over his face with sharpie, so he had to show up for his wedding, you know, with stuff written all over his face and everything. They they hazed him because he wasn't being a team player. Now I'm not suggesting you go do that. I don't, you know, I'm if if one of the guys on my team did that to me, I mean, I'd punch him in the face and it'd be all over. I mean, you know, I'm not <laughs> the idea about how they how they live and how they they constantly uh if somebody is starting to get a little little high and mighty, they they bring him down a notch um in in respectful ways. Um an example of this is a friend of mine um is a former Navy helicopter pilot and he would he would take out seals on training things all the time, and he told me that one time he went out and uh, they were going to do a, a jump. I didn't know they jumped out of helicopters, but apparently they do. And um, they had to stop midway through because one of the chutes of one of the seals uh, had not been packed. It was it was empty, and Whoa. I thought, now how did this happen? I mean, you know, how did that get through? I mean, that's kind of dangerous. Well, as it turns out, uh, it was the last day for a particular guy to for something, something he needed to be on the teams, but his teammates said he was not a team player. So they intentionally sabotaged his ability to be able to qualify by putting a, an empty um, shoot up there. So now that's obviously an extreme thing, but it shows you how much special operations groups value teamwork. And so please don't think that I'm talking about helicopters and parachutes and everything like that, because I'm not. I'm just taking the essence of what the special operations uh, guys do as a, as a culture matter and saying you can look at that and see if some of it can apply uh, to you. So I, ho- I hope I haven't over-described over the military part because that's really not my intention. I hope, no. I hope, okay. no, 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 I don't think you did that, no. Um, all right, let me, let me ask you to jump ahead here a minute. Uh, we're going to come back to some things, but something jumped out at me here. Treat the team like a business. Yes, um, this is is something I've employed, and I think, uh, I think it's a good idea. A business, uh, you've got things like personnel and capital. You've got assets. You've got a business plan, and you've got a market. Um, I think that treating a prepping team as a business, in a general sense, makes a lot of sense because it helps you plan and it helps you make rational decisions. And by that, I mean personnel. You... Um, you look at people's strengths and weaknesses and you try to get the most out of people's strengths and you try to give them help on, on their weaknesses. Capital, um, it costs mm-hmm. money to prep. Um, and you, you look at the, the resources that the team has and you try to figure out how to get the best return on the capital. Um, should we all you know have guys going and spending hundreds of dollars on a knife or should we buy reloading components? I mean, that's looking at the team's you know, capital um, as capital. Um, and, and same with team assets. I mean, you're going to take care of assets. And by the way, when I mean team assets and team capital, I don't mean that the team owns the stuff. I just mean that the collection of guys spending money on things is kind of a joint thing. We all chip in money, for example, um, on the reloading stuff. And here's a side story that illustrates a lot about the team. Um, there's no accounting. There's no receipts. There's no calculators when it comes to the money. We all do what we can, and and everybody roughly does the same stuff. For example, one of the guys has all the reloading presses. He's been reloading for a while. costs a lot of money. 
I was in another state. There were no um, primers in my state this summer. Mm-hmm. And so I was in another state on vacation, and I couldn't believe my eyes. I walked into a sporting goods store, <laughs> and there were thousands of primers. Wow. And, and I ended up buying $650 um, worth of primers. We now have enough primers. Um, we'll never need more, actually. <laughs> and so I... Uh, I brought it back the next uh, reloading night we had. Um, I, I walked in um, about twenty thousand primers, and uh, <laughs> I bet you were a popular person. You go, and no one ever said, "Okay, your share is X," and everything else, because the other guy, you know, bought all the reloading supplies. Other guys buy other stuff. One of them, he's always updating our medical kits. I mean, with expensive stuff in. I love that. You know, in, in the business world, it's pretty rare for people just to do stuff out of the goods of their heart and not keep track of it. So that's what I mean, team capital and team assets, treating it that way. A business plan. Yeah. Team has a very rough business plan, and that's to um, get it, get the most uh, done that we can, which would mean um, shooting skills primarily, medical stuff, food storage stuff, um, the cabin uh, that I have and getting things, I, I mean, um, all kinds of, I won't go into a lot of stuff. I, I shouldn't go into it, but a lot of getting a lot of things done. Um, we also, we teach um, tactical shooting. Uh, so if you're in Western Washington, we can do that. And that's a lot of fun. Um, so we, we focus on that. Um, we, we build things, we do those sorts of things. And our, our rough plan um, is, you know, we have goals, and we've got a vision out there. It's not just guys hanging out, which is better than nothing, but it's not guys hanging out. We want to be ready, um, and so the idea is um, after a collapse, um, I think there will be a lot of people that uh, need security, um, and they need it from good guys, not from bad guys. And um, we think that we would be ready um, both as a training matter and mentally prepared and as a, as a gear matter. Uh, to rent ourselves out and be uh, contractors and uh, hope it never happens. I like my day job. I'd like to keep it. I'd like everything to just go normal and never have to do any of this. But that's the long-range vision that we've we've structured things around. So that's what I mean by treating this as a as a business. Okay, I was wondering what you meant by that. Thanks for the clarification on that. <laughs> Yeah, good. Well, as we as we start to wrap up here, a couple more points I wanted you to hit on, which I think is pretty cool here. Um, you've got here on the outline formaprepperteam.com that that somebody should start something like that. I think that's a that's an excellent idea. I certainly don't have any time, but I would definitely like to become a member or at least contribute some ideas to that. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I would love it. I'm not a computer guy. Don't have a clue how it works and don't have the time anyway. If somebody out there created sort of a, I guess there's something called meetups, you know, where people get together based on your area and everything else and you can, you know, connect with people. Um, if somebody put a forum up um, and based on geographic stuff and people could introduce themselves and, and maybe make connections on their own, I think it would be a terrific thing to do. You know, the internet's such an amazing, amazing tool. It's helped us. I mean, it's, I mean, you and I are talking over the internet now, and people yeah. are listening to us over the internet. So, it's such a fantastic tool. If somebody could put it together, um, form a prepper team got dot com, um, and I don't own the domain or anything like that. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> um, 
would be terrific if someone could do it. So I hope somebody hears this and does it. Well, that'd be great. So I'll put the call out. There is one more thing I, I just noticed I wanted to ask you to cover before we wrap it up here. You, you've got something on here that is near and dear to my heart that I really, really believe in, and that is get in shape. Uh, this is something that not enough people in the prepper community talk about. I've talked about it early, early on in my shows, some of the earlier ones. I talked about fitness. I had a guy named Spencer Bennett that was on talking about fitness. I try to keep in good shape. I've lost a lot of weight lately. Um, been a little bit lax in my working out, but I'll be fixing that pretty soon. But I- I'm glad you bring that up. Talk, talk more about that. Yeah, well... You're going to need to be in shape when things go bad. I mean, everybody knows it. And one of the great things a team does, it it allows you to encourage each other and to hold each other accountable. And I don't mean weigh-ins or anything like that. But I mean, <laughs> um, you know, if if I'm going to go and we do something all weekend and we uh, we go to a range and um, we stay overnight and we you know we do we do stuff at night. We do stuff with tracers and all kinds of cool stuff. We're doing this kind of stuff. If, if I'm out of shape, um, it isn't going to work. And so the accountability, I, by that I mean um, I know that if I'm not con- – if I don't – that's my reason to constantly stay in shape is because I've got these things going on. Um, and so that's that's what I mean. But I mean and not only is it getting in shape, but it's maintaining because I'm old. It's hard. I mean <laughs> – So am I. <laughs> And so the other thing is, um, it's not all practical, and it's not all as 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 depressing as you need to be in shape in case the country collapses. The other reason to be in shape is that you get to do a lot more fun stuff, and you're not sore, and you're not winded. And so going out and doing all the stuff we do, um, because we're going out and doing all that stuff, um, I want to be in shape because it's a lot more fun to go do those things and because I'm in shape. So that's how these guys um, have really, you know, kept me in shape. Now they're in their they're in their twenties, and so it's not hard for them to stay in shape. I mean, so I'm not really helping them. They're more helping me than anything else. Well, good. Well, uh, this is good stuff, Glenn. I think we've we've covered a whole lot here. We've given a lot of information for people to chew on. And uh, any closing thoughts that you want to share? No, I, I would – well, one, actually, and that is these are all just guidelines. Um, this is how it worked for me, and, and these are my thoughts. Um, don't wait around for those five SEALs to show up on your doorstep and plead with you to uh, join their group because you're so awesome and they need you because it's <laughs> never going to happen. Um, get a team together um, as long as there's no debt and no illegal activity. Those are my two hallmarks. And, and start on it. Um, start with the time that it's going to take. Start working on it. Start looking for other guys because a team is better than no team. So start getting a team together because as important as it is to prep individually, uh, a group is is even more important and it's going to make things even better for you and your family. So it's a high priority. And I would say even if the team is just you and one other person, it's a start. Even if it's just two of you, it's a start. Build upon that. Yes, exactly. Good. Well, Glenn Tate, thanks very much for joining. Uh, Talk again real briefly about your book, what's been happening lately with your book, and what's available for people right now. Yeah, um, books three and four were released, and it's a 10-book series. Um, Books three and four were released in mid-November. One and two came out in September. Um, Books five and six will be coming out in mid-February 2013. 
And then the other two sets of books, um, 7, 8, and 9, 10, will be coming out three months in three-month intervals so that 10 will be out roughly about Christmas of 2013. Um, so that's what's going on with that. Um, I, sales have been astounding, I'm far above my expectations. Um, I think I saw that, um, yeah, I think this is right, that as of this weekend, um, the book, I want to say book one, was the 17th best-selling um, military fiction book in that category um, on Amazon. Um, oh, you know, congratulations. Blowing. Um, absolutely mind-blowing. So it it's doing well because it's real. It's it's all real stuff, real stuff I went through in the present tense of the book. Now, as I start projecting out into the future, obviously, those are my predictions and my analysis of what I think is going to happen. But um, it's so real because it is real. And it's a regular guy who's prepping with other regular guys. And uh, they're dealing with a situation, a partial collapse that is, I think, a very realistic scenario. It's not space aliens or, you know, stuff like that. That's I, I don't believe that stuff. So, I mean, it's very believable. Both the, the collapse scenario is believable and the way regular people prepare for it and react to it is also believable. So that's why I think the series has been doing so well. Yeah, and folks, you can find his book. You can buy it off of Amazon in either electronic copy or uh, you can buy it for Amazon Kindle or you can also buy it in paperback. Just go to my website and click the recommended books link and uh, it'll help my, my show out. Glenn, thanks very much for doing this for the premium podcasts here. I appreciate that. Thank you, Bob. A great opportunity, and I'm really, really glad to be doing this with you. Thank you. No problem. Keep prepping on, okay? You too. Once again, many thanks to Glenn Tate. If you want to get his book, go to todayssurvival.com. That's todayssurvival.com. There's a recommended books page. You can buy it through Amazon in electronic or paperback. And it will help also support my show. I have an Amazon Associates link, so I earn a small fee when you buy it through me. It would uh, very much help me if you would do that. Just go to todayssurvival.com, click the recommended books page. Thanks again, folks. I hope you enjoyed this. I'll probably put one of these out about every six weeks or so and try to get more regular putting out podcasts on the Survival Champions Club. I'm looking at sometime in the middle of 2013 or maybe a little bit sooner, making this a membership program where you're going to be able to enjoy some other benefits. I know some of you might be participants of my Shooters Club membership program over at the Handgun World podcast. It'll be similar to that, but it'll all be geared towards survival and preparedness. Thanks again, folks. I uh, really appreciate your time and everything. I'm Bob Main. Thanks for listening to Episode 4 of the Survival Champions Club podcast. It's my goal to help you do what you can with what you have, wherever you are. Keep prepping on. Okay, well, as you just noticed, that was a couple years old, but I am going to be releasing one a week, not one every six weeks. That was an older recording, but I'm probably going to re- release one a week for about the next next six or seven weeks. All right, folks, thanks for listening. I'm Bob Main. You've just listened to another episode of today's survival show. It's my goal to help you do what you can with what you have wherever you are. Catch you next week. Goodbye.